Hello everyone, my name is Eddie Michelson. I'm Lucas Anderton. And here we are, episode four of Go Wonk Yourself. We made it through four episodes. <laughs> How? I don't know, I'm very surprised. Alright, well let's just kick it right off with the news the of news. this week. So, firstly, uh, Trump last week agreed to sit down with uh, Robert Mueller, the special investigator. Um, I'm pretty sure he did it on Twitter, and he was like, yeah, I'd love to sit down with him. Under oath, I can do it, I can Why? handle it. And then, like, his lawyers, like, quickly backtracked that statement. Um, and now, so, yesterday, lawyers for President Trump have advised him against sitting down for a wide-ranging interview with special counsel uh, Robert Mueller, raising the specter of a months-long court battle per the New York Times' Maggie Haberman. So his lawyers are concerned that the president, who has a history of making false statements and contradicting himself, hmm, could be charged with lying to investigators. I believe a different president went down for that. Um, so why does that matter? Uh, refusing to sit down for an interview opens the possibility that Bob Mueller will subpoena the president to testify before the grand jury, setting up a court fight that would drastically escalate the investigation and could be decided by the Supreme Court. What do you think, Eddie? This is bad. Trump should not have done this. Like, he, he should not, <laughs> he should not agree to sit down with Mueller. Uh, I think his lawyers are absolutely correct in that, uh, look, it, when it, with an investigation like this, I think originally... We saw this coming with the private investigation being opened up. Is that uh, they have a tendency to keep digging and digging? We saw this with Bill Clinton. Um, a lot of times they'll try to nail them for just about anything they can. Perjury, right? Perjury. So the I think, and I think Trump will certainly have an affinity for saying something off or contradicting himself, just like this article says. And they're going to try to nail him for something. And I think. Uh, no matter what uh, he says here, whether there's an indictment or not, whatever happens here uh, is going to be used by Democrats if they happen to take the House, God forbid, and they're <laughs> going to happen. move to impeach him uh, on these grounds. So, like, for anyone who doesn't understand, like, what a grand jury is, so Mueller has two outlets here. Like, for one, or not even Mueller, but, like, Trump getting impeached. For one, it can go just through, like, through Congress the normal way, but Mueller also has a grand jury convened. And so with a grand jury, he has open-ended legal ability to basically bring charges for whatever he wants as long as he alone can convince the grand jury of probably like 12 or 16 people that there's a chance someone committed something. And with an ongoing investigation into him, at any point, like, you're under so much scrutiny that at any point, if you lie at all, it's the easiest thing to get you for. Obstruction of justice or perjury. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what both of the presidents, Clinton and Nixon, both ended up getting in trouble for, was, like, variations of that. It wasn't for, like, Bill Clinton having a good time in the Oval Office. It was for the fact he lied about it while he was under scrutiny of a grand jury investigation. And so, like, a, and Bill Clinton is a very smooth talker. And he knows what to say and what not to say. And so for, like, Trump to say, I'm going to go under oath, every second idea. of that bad could move. lead to an obstruction of justice or perjury charge. So, like, this might be, if Mueller does this right, if he can get him under oath, that'd be bad. Yeah, I think what we have to worry about more so is the uh, actual impeachment uh, or the prospects for impeachment, because you don't actually have to have any legal basis for impeachment. That's purely a political process. That's and true. I think no matter what, Democrats are going to try to move to impeach him. 
even now they would do that. So I don't think sitting down with uh, Mueller is going to have any huge effect on what Democrats want to do and what, what they end up choosing to do. And I don't think Republicans are going to move and say, well, look, he tried to obstruct justice because he said something and then contradicted himself later. Let's jump on that bandwagon of impeachment. I just don't see that happening. I, I think, uh, in general, this, like I said, is a bad idea to agree in the first place to sit down with Mueller. Um, is he going to subpoena the president? Well, I mean, let's see. Let's see what happens, but... It's this is definitely something that to, to look out for. Uh, hey, let me do this. All right, if if there's any Russia collusion that's found, um, I will. What will I do? Well, what's the bet? Shriek here? the quad. I you're shrieking. I will the quad. shriek the quad. If there's any sort of collusion with Russia, because look, we we know how Trump operates. He's very uh, bombastic, and he talks a lot, and that's he loves true. to. Uh, brag about his various accomplishments if he's also a mastermind at coordinating an election with a foreign entity uh, i think we're i <laughs> i just don't see that as a possibility knowing uh who trump is as a person i don't see how there there could be this whole operation going on under wraps while he's out there tweeting about every little thing that happens and that's the part like i'm super scared about is like these guys are all pretty, like, high-level dudes around Trump. Like, they didn't get there by being dumbasses. They're obviously pretty smart guys, I think. And so, like, don't you think they're probably smart enough to keep Trump's hands clean of all of this? Like, let's say there is Russian collusion found. I don't think that they're going to get as high as Trump. Like, I think Trump, they probably left him with, like, plausible deniability on purpose. So that he's untouchable when it comes to that, it's gonna be like a perjury or. Well, look, I think it's even. I think it's even less than that. I think there are some shady characters that happen to be part of his campaign, such as um, what's his, his name? son-in-law. <laughs> well, right. Well, there was Flynn who had. The, there was some. There was something going on there. And then Robert Gates. Um, uh, who is the? Uh, Paul Manafort is obviously a well-known corrupt figure who is. Uh, who's been known to be involved with foreign entities. Uh, but I, I don't think that these have anything to do with Trump. I think Trump uh, picked up um, Manafort because he was a loyal campaign manager, and I don't think he actually has anything to do with the collusion. I think there have been people who have maybe approached him and said, hey, look, we have, you know, a we have some opposition research on Hillary Clinton that comes from a foreign entity, and he, and and he would obviously one, yeah. say, oh, well, this is great. Like, this is going to help my campaign. I mean, obviously, he's never had a uh, organized political campaign before the election. So I think he would be definitely susceptible to uh, the whims of various shady characters. But I think he himself did not have a coordinated effort with Russia to win him the election. I just do not see that in any way uh, a possibility. Uh, yeah, I guess I, uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I'll streak the clock. I'll, 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 he is going to I'll run the naked across the quad <laughs> I, I at American University. Um, so yesterday, our stock market, our beautiful flourishing stock market, uh, that has nothing to do with the checkbooks of average hardworking Americans, um, fell 1,100 points in a single day. The greatest it's dropped in modern history. Eddie Michelson, how do you feel about it? Uh, I think the market correcting itself is usually a good thing. I think the market was uh, 
the the Dow was an overrepresentation of the current state of the uh, um, economy, and I think it has a tendency to correct itself. This is a normal thing. I know it's a, a pretty dramatic thing to happen, but it's already on its way back up uh, it as of today. This is a this is a normal thing. I, I don't think there's anything to worry too much about. It's not Black Tuesday. Uh, I don't think we're uh, moving into a recession. Uh, that's all I really have to say about it. So, like, what is your view on the stock market as a whole for reading the economy, though? Like, when Trump touts this 18,000 number, the, the Dow's at 18,000, the Dow's doing great, blah, 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 or, like, whatever number it's at, like, does that represent, like, American, the American economy at all? I think to a certain extent, it it's, it's more of a representation of people's confidence. Uh, I think when Trump won and we saw the stock market first originally... Uh, people got really nervous. They're like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, we did not expect this. But then you saw it steadily climb, and we saw huge gains in the Dow. Um, I think it really has to do with... Uh, I think what corporations look for, mainly, is they look for reliability, and they look for predictability with the stock market. Um, or j- not the stock market, just the market in general. So if they don't know if they're going to get slapped with some heavy regulations or some heavy taxation, uh, I, I think they uh, appreciate knowing that this president and this administration is not going to hit them with anything uh, unpredictable. And I think that's going to help with um, people's confidence, like both from a consumer's perspective, because uh, they get tax cuts, and also from the corporate standpoint, because they actually have some predictability. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I don't know if it has any correlation, but Bitcoin dropped below 10,000 yesterday. Um, Actually, all of the cryptocurrencies just completely tanked, and they're all doing better today, and maybe that has some reflection on how cryptocurrency is actually attached to our normal economy, but it was crazy to see Bitcoin, which had been doing so well, drop so low um, on the same day as the stock market, so. Crypto's here to stay, don't you think? I think so. I, I was actually reading about one today, and I don't even remember what it was called. I have the website open. I think it's called, like, Steam Coin or something, and it's it's just an example of um, certain cryptocurrencies finding their niche in society, and, like, this one is all related to media consumption, and it's, like, rewarding people uh, for media consumption basically so like if you participate by like sharing articles and commenting and stuff then you get a dividend of whatever cryptocurrency you've invested in steam coin um so yeah no i definitely think it's here to stay um i don't want to get like totally into the techno talk of like bitcoin and cryptocurrencies but like ripple for example is another big one and banks are using it banks are utilizing the technology that bitcoin uses blockchain to make secure transactions because banks have never had a way to keep their transactions secure. And so now they're using this one called Ripple. Um, and it's, it's... They're accepting cryptocurrency, but they want nothing to do with marijuana. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, that's we need to talk about marijuana like... <laughs> one day. Actually, we need to talk about weed. Apparently, you're not supposed to use the term marijuana. The history of it is, like, totally discriminatory towards people of color, apparently. Oh, marijuana is racist. Yeah. Of course. The term course marijuana. Um, you're supposed to use, like, cannabis or weed or something. I read an article about it. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> well, in your state, it's uh, the medicinal marijuana. Um, what was it? 40 to 0? 40 to 0. Uh, the Virginia Senate, one of the most conservative, like, when it co- or constitutional, like, based uh, legislative bodies in the world, um, 
passed a bill unanimously for medicinal marijuana today. It was wild. Especially because last week they completely failed a decriminalization bill where every single person on the committee voted against it. And then this week they unanimously legalized medicinal marijuana. I I think the issue of marijuana is one of the dumbest and most redundant and stupid issues we have in current day political discourse there's so much energy around it there's so much there's so much anger and and aggression about this particular issue it's so dumb i think it's so dumb the federal government has nothing to do with marijuana i don't think any government should like if the government's gonna let us smoke tobacco and drink alcohol which in i'm no doctor but like those both seem when it comes to like your health worse than marijuana if those are going to be legal, why isn't weed? And, I, I mean, maybe that's just me, but, like, I don't know. I, I think it should be legalized. And, like, the federal government was ignoring it. They were like, let's leave it to the states, let's just choose not to prosecute, and then our buddy Jeff Sessions upended that. So. But, obviously, prohibition worked, so this will definitely yeah, work. Yeah, definitely. Going forward. Um, so, in recent news, release the memo. Hashtag release the mem- memo. So, Representative Devin Nunes, uh, his infamous memo, the document uh, that House Republicans claimed would uh, demonstrate fundamental anti-Trump corruption at the FBI and the deep state coup happening at the FBI, was released last Friday afternoon. Uh, It's three and a half pages long, and it's really quick to read. Um, But the memo begins by making the claim that the FBI's use of surveillance power under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act during the 2016 campaign was a troubling breakdown of legal processes established to protect the American people from abuses related to the FISA process. Um, The only example the memo cites is an October 21st, 2016 request by DOJ and the FBI uh, under FISA powers to snoop on foreign policy advisor for Trump, Carter Page, who is the shadiest figure in politics in the first place. But then at the very end of the memo, it concluded that... um, that actually it should vindicate the broader Russia investigation because it talks about how something that George Papadopoulos said at a bar was the actual reason for the investigation starting, not Robert Gates. But in the end, they released the memo, our democracy still stands, and we all seem to be fine. Eddie? Hmm, what do we make of this? Well, I think that... Again, this whole Russia collusion thing is blown out of proportion. I think the memo itself, uh, I think it's, I think it's good that it got released. I mean, I, I think we all, I think we all deserve to know what's going on and like what, uh, what's happening. But, um, like to me, like the memo was attacking the FBI, which has always been, like, a conservative institution. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't think attacking the entire FBI as an institution is fair. I, I, I don't think that the FBI is some deep state operation that's trying to take down Trump. It's a coup! <laughs> I, I think there... I mean, are there some people who are in the FBI who might be anti-Trump? Sure. I think everyone has... Yeah. I think every institution and every branch of the government will have people who are for the president and against the... Well, I mean, obviously those that the president chooses who's a part of it that's a different story but with the fbi itself i i really don't want to jump and say that the fbi is out to get 
President Trump and establish some sort of military dictatorship. I think that's a ridiculous claim, and it's very conspiratorial. So, I no, I don't, I don't buy into that at all. And, like, our three big figures in this are James Comey, Robert Mueller, and Rod Rosenstein, all lifetime Republicans, all appointed by Republican legislative branches. And, like, these are not, like... Okay, Newt Gingrich, for example, when Robert Mueller was appointed as, as a special uh, counsel, Newt Gingrich came out and he was like, Robert Mueller's the greatest guy on earth, like, he's so principled, if we want a good, fair investigation, it's gonna come from Bob Mueller. And all these people have just, like, completely changed their outlooks on it, and, like, I completely hate seeing them tear apart this institution that, like, liberals are the ones who are supposed to hate the FBI, we always have because they, like, tore apart the civil rights movement. But, like, all of a sudden, conservatives hate the FBI. And that's just scary to me. And that's why I thought the memo should have stayed classified. Or, like, if it was declassified, I don't think it needed to be this big, like, oh, it's gonna, like, if we declassify, it's gonna tear apart the fundamentals of our democracy. Like, no, I think, I think it should have been, I think the fact that it was released shows us, like, hey, look, let's just take it for what it is. Like, the fact that we're all, like, reading it now and saying, well, okay, if this is it, if it's just, uh, if it's just, look, the FBI is doing some, uh, <laughs> you know, so their, their processes by which they're investigating or whatever is is considered shady, and we can all look at that and take it for what it is, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I, I don't think that having a memo that is classified and then being able to uh, establish whatever narrative you want around it and having it all open to speculation, I don't think that's, like... I think that's a lot worse than just having yeah. the memo out there and for people to be able to make their own judgments about it. It, it was just so, like, terrifying how, like, Sean Hannity, the night before this was released, he was on the air and he was, like, throwing his arms because Sean Hannity got to see it before anyone else. Nobody on Sean Hannity's production team, just Sean Hannity. And, like, he went on the air and he was just, like, flailing his arms and he was like, this is going to completely tear apart everything. There's a deep state in the FBI. Like, we, we're all going to die. And you so, know what like, that reminds he, me of? That reminds Alex me of when. Jones. No, no. Um, that reminds me of when Rachel Maddow had the tax returns. That was actually the funniest thing on earth. <laughs> that was, she got that a, was something. She got a half-page excerpt of Trump's <laughs> tax returns, and she was like, "This is my biggest episode ever." Like my my journalism. And she waited until the last minute of the show to reveal yeah. that it was just absolutely nothing. I remember my mom and I sat down, and we were like so excited to watch this episode <laughs> of Rachel Maddow, and we just like sat there for like the hour that Rachel Maddow was on, just like waiting. And she like talked about how important this tax return was the entire show, and then at the end she was like, oh, it shows nothing. Yeah. Ugh, I would yikes. love to see the full tax return, not that I could make anything of it, but like... It would be interesting. It would be interesting. I think every politician should release their tax return. But I don't know, maybe that's just me. So, um, the latest thing, Trump called for a government shutdown over immigration. If we don't change it, Let's have a shutdown, he said. Do, do you remember that we actually had a government shutdown? It seemed like that was that was such a blip. We actually had a government shutdown. Over the shutdown. same thing. And they said, we'll fix it before the next one. And then that was in the news cycle for, what, like a day or two? And then it just, everything went back to normal. It was like nothing ever happened. Do you think the Democrats were right to cede, to, like, concede and, like, reopen the government? Um... Or do you think that they had the bargaining chips to get what they wanted and keep the government shut down? I think that... 
I'm sorry, where did they concede? Like, when the government shut down, after like two days, they gave up and they said, okay, we will we'll vote for this continuing resolution to give us another month before we have to do the budget. So basically, they moved the shutdown again until, or they can come up with another budget. And like, so basically, they voted, it's hard to explain, like, they... They said, we're not going to vote for your budget until you give us a clean DREAM Act. So no border security with it. So then the government shut down because they couldn't vote on a budget. So then they reconvened and voted for a continuing resolution, which a lot of people, Democrats and Republicans, hate because they think it's not the right way that Congress is supposed to make a budget. So they voted for the continuing resolution to reopen the government. Um, and now they basically have until I think it's like March 6th or something like that to come up with a real budget to vote on. So, like, do you think the Democrats should have kept the government shut down until Republicans agreed on a clean DREAM Act? Or do you think that they were right to vote for the continuing resolution to reopen the government? Well, obviously, a government shutdown is never ideal. Yeah. But I also think that no matter what, Republicans are going to get blamed for it, which is really interesting because what back when uh, there was a government shutdown under Barack Obama... The Republicans were also blamed for that, and they were look they were seen as disruptors. And now Republicans are the ones in power, and the Democrats are ultimately the disruptors. And Republicans are still getting blamed for it, which I think has a lot to do with uh, the media and how they portrayed the government shutdown. But another thing to say about a government shutdown is that it's not at all as apocalyptic as Democrats make it out That's to true. be. We we it's not look just Democrats though. Uh, it really depends. I, I, yeah, you're right. I think it really depends on who's in power and who has. Uh, something politically to gain from a government shutdown by building a narrative around it. Yeah. A lot of times we see, like, uh, we, we look at a government shutdown as the government is shutting down and all of its operations and everything's going to burst into flames and people are going to be on the streets. I don't think that uh, has ever been shown to happen. And I think that right now Republicans have to be more diligent about the deals they make and about how aggressive they are about what they want to accomplish. I think the, in terms of immigration, they've been pretty weak in terms of what they're willing to accept, uh, in the budget. I, I don't think that they've gotten anywhere near what they should in terms of immigration policy and Democrats have been sort of running circles around them about, uh, uh particularly immigration. I think we need the money uh, if you if Trump wants to build a wall, the the money that they're accepting right now is not nearly enough. Yeah. So like so my view on why the Democrats or the Republicans have been blamed both times is that Republicans had control in the during the last shutdown and they didn't even give anything for President Obama to sign. So like that's why they were blamed that time is they were in control of the legislative branch and they didn't produce anything because they couldn't get enough Democrats on board. But they also couldn't get enough Republicans on board. And that's the same thing that happened this time. Is Mitch McConnell only... He can get, he could not whip the votes to get his budget passed. I think he had six Republicans drop off his Senate bill. Um, so, like, that's why once again Republicans are to blame. Because they have enough control of the government to do... To pass a budget without a single Democrat on board. But they couldn't. And so we actually had, I think it was Joe Manchin and Claire McCaskill both voted for the budget because they hate continuing resolutions because um, they think that it's a poor way to govern and they're from red states 
and, like, they have to appease Trump every once in a while. And so, like, but then when it comes to immigration, I think that the Republican Party, and obviously I'm completely biased here, I think they have completely lost their way when it comes to immigration. During the times of Reagan, like, like, the Republican Party was not, they just didn't talk about immigration. They weren't, they probably were against illegal immigration, but they knew that they were such an important part of the economy that they totally left it alone. Like, there are parts of Virginia, for example, uh, like on the Eastern Shore, that the economy totally relies on undocumented uh, immigrants. And, like, so Republicans, especially in my district, they totally left the issue alone. But then all of a sudden, these, like, far-right people who hate immigrants, like, have changed the like the the pla- the plank for the Republican Party on this. I think there's several forces at work here, and one is that immigration has been put on this pedestal of being the most important and pressing issue right now, and there are a bunch of Republicans who are kind of str- uh, it seems like they're kind of scrambling to take a position on it. That's uh, and some of them are taking more of a, like a populist route. Um, I I think in general, I I. From my personal uh, standpoint, I'm kind of libertarian-leaning in terms of immigration. I believe that uh, immigration in general is a good thing. I think we bring in a lot of people who just want to come here and work and just make a living and live out the American dream, which I think is a great thing. And I don't care what country you're from, shithole or not. (laughs) 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 No, but in all seriousness, whatever country you come from, it's... It really doesn't matter if you're coming here to work and you're coming here to uh, live out the American dream. Like, please come. Like we, and it helps the economy. There, I, there's nothing more to say about that. But I think as long as we have a a welfare state that is uh, so expansive that it can be exploited, and we have people who come here just to leech off of the welfare state, uh, I think that's a problem. So. But- if we can scale that back, then I'm okay with anyone coming here. And and I think the only thing left uh, in terms of immigration is the issue of security, uh, which that can be handled within uh, within our borders. So I think having uh, some uh, some way of just having some process of coming here is obviously I think a good thing. But in general, I don't I I don't think. I buy into any of this rhetoric of we should let in less people yeah. or we should uh, deport anyone. I think that's come. I think well, obviously if you're committing crimes, like that should be talked about, but if you're just a hardworking American and you're just, if you just want to uh, live the American dream, yeah. If you want to work hard and, and yeah, live out the American dream, I have no issue with you being here. And so like, it's hard to talk about immigrants uh, exploiting the social safety net because it's it's a rumor that they do. Immigrants who are not documented cannot take advantage of the social safety net, but they do pay in. They pay in with sales tax and they pay in with property tax. They don't pay in with income tax primarily because there's usually no record of their income. They're usually paid under the table. So yeah, they aren't paying in through income tax, but they are paying through sales tax and property tax. And so... Immigrants end up giving a lot more than they receive since they can't benefit from programs like Social Security um, and Medicare and Medicaid. Um, But I totally agree with you. In working class positions, we aren't filling those jobs because a lot of, like, most Americans don't want to work those jobs. They want to work these white-collar jobs while these blue-collar jobs are going unfilled. 
Well, guess what? Immigrants are coming to the country, and they want to fill those jobs. They want real work. They want to wake up at early before like dawn and they want to get to work and work those hard jobs that a lot of people aren't working and so like yeah i totally agree with you if they're gonna come and contribute to our economy then let them come and i and i would love for it to be like for us to have an easier path to immigration so there's more incentive to come here legally but that doesn't mean that i want to penalize them for or like penalize them in a much more strict way for coming here um illegally like, I think um, immigration is what the, what America was built off of. And so, like, this rhetoric that, that outlets like Breitbart have pointed to, like, making immigrants look like horrible thieves and criminals, that's just not who immigrants are. Like, they are not committing crimes at the rate that people are saying they are. Um, white people are committing the most crimes, like, not immigrants. And so, like, I remember Trump's announcement speech. He came out and he said that, immigrants they're sending the the rapists they're sending the criminals and that's just a horrible way of painting immigrants they are probably terrified of committing crime because they know the repercussions will be much greater um they have much more incentive to not commit crime they are contributing to the economy and they are trying to pursue the american dream well, here, here's where my here's where my uh conservative individualistic uh, alarm goes off because when we talk about immigrants and immigration we're forced to sort of put them all into one group and say well they're either like all hard-working and they all want to come here and live out the american dream or they're all criminals and rapists yeah. or whatever but i think they should be uh looked at on an individual level we have the immigrant who comes here and like we've well, like we've established want to work hard and and do well for themselves and their families and we do have the people who come here and commit crimes as well. So I think that looking at each uh, undocumented immigrant on an individual basis and making some sort of judgment based on what they've done while they're here is an important thing to look at. And to say that we don't have the capacity to do that, I think is just absolutely untrue. If you look at the IRS, they can nail you no matter where you are. Yeah. And so I think we definitely have the capacity to look and say, on an individual level, look, is this person contributing to... Contributing more than they're taking. Right. Is this person contributing to American society, or are they committing crimes? Should they be here? And if, they, if they're if they not contributing, and they're, uh, whether rumored or not, if they're leeching off the system and committing crimes, then yeah, I think they should probably go. But I think, in general, that's not what's, that's not really what's happening. No, I, I totally agree. And I... But I think the system does have to change. Um, but but I want a Dream Act right now without border security. And I, I know that Democrats aren't in the place to be saying, oh, we want a clean Dream Act because obviously Republicans have all the bargaining chips at this point. But like I, I want to talk about immigration another day because I don't think it's our most pressing issue. Every single day there are Dreamers getting kicked out of the country and losing their status. And like that's unacceptable to me. Um, yeah, I think that uh, dreamers, uh, you shouldn't be punished for what your parents or grandparents did. I, I think that's kind of ridiculous. I don't want to be blamed for anything my distant relatives <laughs> probably did. So I, I wouldn't want the same standard to be hold for uh, other people. I think if you're a child here and you just happen to be born here, uh, the fact that you could face deportation, I think, is deeply disturbing to me. 
and I'm shocked that there are people who are advocating for the deportation of them. I Like I said before, I, I think people should be judged on an individual level in terms of how they're contributing to American society. At the same time, I think Republicans should be pushing for some sort of border security. This is what they promised to do. A wall, though? Yeah, I think I don't. Oh I honestly gosh. have no. I have no problem with the wall. He in said the Mexico state. was going to pay for it, though. It's not happening. We already knew that Mexico is not going to pay for it. But I think in the he current state of how uh, immigration is done and how we currently have a pretty significant welfare state, I think a wall might be a good idea. But aside from that, if if the welfare state is brought back. I don't think there would be any need. All right. All right. I guess I'll just, you know. <laughs> just leave it at that? I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I think a wall is stupid, but you have your opinion, I have mine. That's what makes this show so great. Yes. It does. We agreed on a lot about immigration, though. No, we we tend to agree on more than, uh, than we would ex- otherwise expect. I took a political ideology test, and all I got was left-leaning centrist. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm a very proud Democrat, but I'm not very Democrat, like I very have, strong I, Democrat. I think I took what... It, are you talking about the one that puts you on a political spectrum that's like a X and Y axis, and it goes libertarian, authoritarian, and then it goes left and right? Because I, I got right libertarian, like, pretty far. Really? Yeah. You come across as, like, a very constitutional conservative Yeah, to me. no, that's definitely me. So. I'm a, constitutional conservative but yeah i'd love to talk more about immigration because honestly this is something that uh is a very hot topic and there's a lot of uh nuances and disagreements in both within both parties too like the republican party i don't think will ever agree completely on immigration in its current state and i think there's people who are uh, on the right who are completely open border advocates those are the more libertarian leaning people and then there's the more uh there, there's the people who basically want closed borders completely, and there's everyone in between, like me. I, I, honestly, would have to do a lot more research before I could reach a conclusive stance on where I am on immigration. But I think I can make a very general uh, statement about my point of view in terms of just on an individual level, like how people should be treated when they come into the country. And I, I also think it's it's a it's a split on the Reagan style conservatives um from like the reagan revolution to this new base that trump has ignited um because they are totally succumbed to like uh the 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 portrait that like breitbart steve bannon and trump have painted which a lot of it is fiction too yeah a lot of what we hear about immigrants stealing jobs and and abducting your babies like it's (laughs) not true eating your babies like whatever they say like i don't even know what uh but a lot of it isn't actually it it doesn't hold any water yeah no i totally agree and so it's definitely a complex issue um we've been talking about immigration forever and neither party can seem to get their party together enough to actually do anything about it um because i don't think when we finally solve immigration i don't think it's going to be a party line issue when we actually have real comprehensive immigration reform trump has made it an agenda item not like border security and daca He's made immigration a whole nother issue, comprehensive immigration reform. Um, and so, I'm, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they come up with, um, what Trump's team comes up with, what they come up with in Congress, uh, etc. So, yeah, I think in general, um, 
I don't, I'm just kind of I'm kind of thinking this through as we go. Like, just yeah. secure the border, but then also reform the way we let in people. We can't have we can't have a wall to close off people. We need a wall to secure the border to make sure that people who want to do harm to Americans are kept out. But then the people who want to come in, they should be able to, uh, to come in, and we should make it easier, not yeah. harder, for people who want to contribute to American society so, to come in. So more border security, but an easier path to citizenship. Right. That, that's exactly uh, that's exactly right. That's, I think that's that what most be, people think. I, I think so, too. And I think the, the fact that this has been politicized is really unfortunate because it's going to prevent that from happening. And it's prevented it for a very, very, very long time. Yep. Um, but no, I definitely think it's an interesting issue. Um, and I'm glad we we see eye to eye on it. I still think a wall is stupid. You obviously don't. Um, and it's funny because Obama put up a pretty fat gate on the border wall. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Trump wall 1.0. Trump is now going for a 2.0. Um, so, well, Eddie, well, I think all I have left to say is go wonk yourself, Lucas. Go wonk yourself, Eddie.